tuning in to Love Service Wisdom with myself, Marissa Rada Wepner, as your host. I'm in conversation this week with one of my dear friends, Rainbow Eric, who was previously on a podcast, number 23 of Love Service Wisdom, back from December 2019. And he is one of my most treasured, most treasured, most beloved friends. He is on a mission to bring nourishment to the masses by rewilding, remineralizing, and rewiring our bodies, minds, hearts, and spirits to operate from an earth-first foundation. He intends for all beings to be truly free from suffering, to know the beauty and magic of truly being alive, and to fully understand what unified collective liberation feels like. And you'll get this essence from Eric as we talk. You can learn more about him on his website, rainboweric.com. That's Eric with a C. I've got links, of course, in the show notes. But Eric and I, personally, we talk all the time. Like I said, he's one of my best friends and we have been supporting each other through the quarantine from afar. He's in California, the way he used to be in Boise with me. He's from Boise, Idaho originally. And wow, I don't know if I could have made it through all that has been without his love and guidance and support and friendship and the ability to share laughter and laugh at it all like we do several times in this conversation together. We it's a little bit longer than typical podcasts. And I was going to break it up into two, part one and two, but there wasn't really a good spot in the middle where I could separate it because we go into this long discourse in the middle about truth telling and how we truth tell and perhaps why we don't and what we need in order to tell the truth. Of course, we touch on the collective trauma that's happening and presencing and processing and what that looks like and what's required to make that happen and to feel safe. And I got so much out of the conversation personally, like I do every time I talk with Eric, and I think that you will too. So I know that you're going to love it, love it, love it. Eric and I, you know, we've taught together all over the world and we have in the works some retreats and teacher trainings. So watch for those. We were just texting this morning. He's asking me, when are we going to do a retreat in 2021? I said, I don't know, but let's get it on the books. So that'll happen where you can spend an immersion with us, you know, like five days or so learning, doing yoga, breath work, meditation, play, fun, activation, processing. He goes deep. He's do- he goes really, really deep. It's one of the things I've always loved so much about him. So I'll let you know when that when we get that sorted out. And I've been planning on him helping me lead my next 200-hour yoga teacher training, which will be an immersion in Teotihuacan, Mexico, Teotihuacan, Mexico, in February of 2022. So more details on that as well. I'm going to do a podcast um, pretty soon about my experience in my last retreat in Teo back in December of, well, just last month, December, 2020. 
and share more about that. And a lot about the awareness practices too that are so important that are within the Toltec tradition, which is the work that we do when we're there. And just to mention it briefly, you know, right now, as a collective, things are still continuing to get intense and the energy feels like it's um, still climbing. It hasn't peaked yet. And, uh, you know, with that, to give yourself permission to feel all the intensity of feelings that you're having right now, whether you're conscious of it or not, we are in a collective field in this society and everything that we've been going through. And one, it's important for you to recognize those, um, mm, I don't want to say shadow pieces, but just the raw, difficult emotions that are surfacing for you. So allow yourself to feel them, be with them, and pay attention to what you're giving your attention to right now what news feeds, where on social media you're going, what you're, what you're ingesting into your consciousness, because that's going to affect how you feel in your day-to-day. And I would encourage you to be as mindful as possible about where you're putting your attention and what you are giving your attention to and who you're giving your attention to. And Shift it, if you can, if you haven't yet already, to that which nourishes you, that which grounds you, that which feels like has a reciprocity and feeds you back. That's not just like a endless rabbit hole into who knows what and more fear and division. So maybe rein your senses back in a little bit and get a bit, a little bit closer in your sphere connect to the earth, connect to the moon, connect to the sun, step outside every day and turn your face to the sun and just breathe in the sunlight, feel your feet on the earth, take a deep breath. That in and of itself is super healing for you on an emotional, energetic, physical, spiritual level. On like I like I said I'll talk more about that in an upcoming podcast, but just take that with you right now. And without further ado, here is Rainbow Eric. Hi, Eric. Hi, Marissa. Good to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. Nice to be here today. Yeah, yeah. Happy to get into this conversation and see where it goes because conversations with you are my favorite. I know. We always drop in the cosmic gateways. Mm-hmm. I love so it. So we're at 1221, the Enneagram of a cosmic day today. Wow, awesome. I haven't I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I just noticed it when I wrote it down. And uh, at the cusp of a new year. Yeah. So maybe let's just begin a little bit with that. What's uh, what's going on for you in your world, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, happy New Year! Right, this whole whether it be if you are you know follow the Gregorian calendar or not, I think just getting to 
utilize the fact that there is a calendar transition and this is our the calendar that we you know is governing the modern world for the majority of people and yeah that's to say there are other calendar systems yes yes exactly so like whether it be and even you know the chinese new year system is just in a few more weeks and so regardless i sort of look at it like Jan- Sol- January, December solstice into mm-hmm. like spring, this transition, you know, this kind of two month window, depending, you sort of hit most of the calendars around the world <laughs> for this time. <laughs> so uh, I like to just take advantage of all these people around, you know, setting intention to say, okay, wow, goodbye, 2020, hello, 2021. And, you know, what does that look like? Um and I had a really interesting New Year's Eve, actually. It was um, uh, some friends of mine that I've done, you know, dance events with over the last two decades. Uh, we did a virtual sort of, you know, multi-city, multi-country uh, event. And it's still going on. Actually, there's stuff going on kind of all weekend. And it was fascinating to sort of zoom in for the countdown and have kind of this digital countdown where, you know, so many of my favorite humanoids were all all over. I think there was someone in Australia, someone in Thailand, uh, all over the West Coast, someone on the East Coast. And so the the time zones didn't necessarily line up, you know, some people were already in the new year. Some people were, had yet to kind of come into the new year when we were all kind of synchronizing. But it was a sweet way to be reminded of what it feels like to be in a group with some of my favorite humans. Oh, I'm so glad you got that. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Yeah, it was. And just to realize what a deficit it is to not be able to gather and celebrate with dancing and with music and with food and with, you know, the people that we love. Um, but then using technology now as a way to like at least get some experience of connection. And I found myself sort of laughing at um, often when this group of humans is together, there's a lot of um, consumption going on. And it's not necessarily something I really enjoy about this group of people. And I, I really prefer when I get to be together with many of them and we're present and just Mm -hmm. kind of in, you know, present space. So ironically enough, most of them were not, you know, under the influence of anything. They were just sort of in their houses, in their pajamas or something, you know, and it was the first time that I've actually had a New Year's experience where I'm not the only sober one kind of with them. And it was a funny moment of being like, wow, I can really connect with you and you're very present here. And even though you're <laughs> over Zoom and I'm here. And so in a strange way, I kind of like got the New Year's with this group of people that I've always wanted, where I've always I've asked, you know, I've often wished that we could have like a retreat for New Year's Eve instead of having it be like some debaucherous kind of wild shenanigans, even though. I am appreciative of debauchery and wild shenanigans, uh, you know, once in a while. But uh, so I kind of got that where I was able to have some really deep conversations with people. You know, we broke off into 
Yeah, I was curious. Did you do breakout rooms so you could do that? Yeah, we did. I mean, there was like some chat box, you know, private chat box going on with some people where it's like, oh, someone you haven't seen in so long suddenly joins the bigger group. And then some breakout little sessions and then some like, hey, let's have a phone call, you know, since you're there, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Or we pull, I pulled away and did a Facebook chat with some other folks, you know. So it was very funny to just recognize how, how uh, the interface of technology has really been a, a saving grace during this whole time. Um, and I was appreciative of that. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you got to have that. I'm I'm happy that you used it to your advantage. Yeah, me too. Thanks. It was... I haven't had a Zoom party in a while. Yeah, right. Like a Zoom party. Exactly. I guess I have only been using Zoom for work and for, you know, friends. And so it was my first Zoom party, I guess. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> and But uh, it made me touch into the place where I really recognized how... Uh, much I'm missing community. Ditto. I feel it exactly the same, exactly the same. Missing community, missing eye contact, missing gatherings, missing, especially at this time of year, it brings up, like you were saying, it's typically very celebratory. And we do that in big groups or in crowds, whether we know them or we don't. And it's a way for the collective to kind of like for a moment, sync up. You know, like they would at perhaps a sporting event or a concert. You know, it's a collective focal point that we share that amplifies it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was, it, it, it um, I found myself the last two days, I mean, this morning as well, um, thinking about just our ancestry and mm. the different phases of, you know, kind of tribalism into like feudalism, you know, into mass colonization and, you know, mass migrations of peoples around the world and now into, you know, capitalism to where we're sort of bound by the single family unit and cities that that are built off of a grid where there's these, you know, autonomous households all all sort of navigating you know me versus the world or whatever how can i make it in the system and and how the separation of you know man woman to from self from earth from one another from collective experience living collectively right and in in deep relationship with the earth and and the kind of natural time cycles all the way into this sort of strongly technologically governed um, sort of artificial calendar system, artificial time to a certain extent. And then this kind of time is money capitalism sort of model and that we're all sort of competing against each other and living in our little cells each of us in our little kind of cells throughout the world and and then Jail we, cells. yeah you know and then and then using um technology as this way that we're now 
connecting and and giving us this experience of connecting and I went for a, a big hike and you know cross paths with people but yeah, I live in South Pasadena, Southern California, and there's a pretty, pretty strict, strictly enforced um, COVID measures and and um, social distancing measures and things like that. So there's like a real fear energy that um, is is more prevalent here than some of the other places I've traveled throughout the year, and walking by people like not making eye contact and people like behind their masks even now kind of in nature like out in the wild and just really getting a sense of how dissociated and disconnected and afraid people are generally speaking and as i was sort of reflecting on all these phases of of human evolution and these you know what it would have been like to live you know in the 1200s and 1500s and 18, you know what I mean? Just kind of like going back and getting a sense of what life would have been like, depending on where you were on the planet and recognizing just how, you know, we didn't consent necessarily to the collective experience that we're all having. And then definitely not to the individual experience that I'm having as a result of that. And there's so many things about um, living in the modern world that I love that technology has kind of given us, but then at the same, uh, by the same token, there are all these things that, you know, I don't really love about it and things that I find myself kind of longing for. Would you though also make an assumption that as you reflect on the ancestral tribal lines, they also had parts that they didn't really love? Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, it's easy to kind of like, you know, grass is always greener kind of experience or something. It's easy to fantasize about. Romanticize. Romanticize, exactly. You know, but I think certain things, I often, you know, wonder if you were to go back a couple hundred years ago and say in the 21st century, the majority of human consciousness will be oriented in an outside in Mm-hmm. you know, point of reference. They probably couldn't even conceptualize what that means. Conceptualize. And now that's all that we have for the yep. most part. Yep. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And just like recognizing that to really be present, you know, where you're connected to the kind of like, you know, diurnal rhythm of the, of the day and then the nocturnal rhythm into the night or, to to be mapping myself seasonally and oriented sort of with the planets or with the stars or to have a sense of the feelings I'm having in my body and the thoughts then that are responding and how I'm sharing and connecting that, like where the majority of my time is really present and, and to recognize that the vast you know, group of humans on the planet, particularly in cities. Well, it requires skills that they weren't, we haven't been conditioned to have. One going slowly, one paying attention, one being present moment focused versus future oriented, one having a sense of self-autonomy while taking the collective's the collective's greater needs into consideration also. 
I recently came across like the, it's like the Blackfoot tribe hierarchy of needs. Have you seen that? You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I have seen that. Yeah, I have seen that. Or at Uh, the top is like self-actualization. And then when you have it in the indigenous framework, it's community. Yeah, it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, exactly. And that's me paraphrasing. It's It's a really beautiful study that I have been appreciated looking at as a different frame of reference for how we are in the world and what does it mean to actually like, let's say self-actualize. Is that just an individual experience or what would it be if it were a community collective experience? Yeah, I love that. I love that. And even even just bringing in, I mean, even self-actualization isn't necessarily, it's almost like that's the actualization part is even like a more evolved step from the basic Maslow's, you know, Pavlov's hierarchy of, of human needs or whatever, right? Or Maslow? Pavlov. Maslow. <laughs> Maslow's. Pavlov's the bell, the bell guy. Yes. And the that's dog conditional. Guy. That's behavioral exactly. psychology. Behavioral psychology, exactly. So the what's interesting is, you, you know, in that in this other way, I think even having the, the awareness of self-realization is even like a privileged kind of step farther than where most folks seem to be kind of living. um, I think it plays out in a different way. Like perhaps it plays out in selfishness or individualism or like a mind mentality. Like perhaps that's a lower form of trying to get towards a sense of self-actualization. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And then even maybe more sort of evolved or something and that has been to recognize oh you know my this i is actually a we yeah and, yes and wow, always how are we all in this together service exactly yeah that's been i think where i'm kind of headed with that is just recognizing how it's such a trip i really have these moments where i'm just like wow the majority of these people that are around me are not like deeply in themselves, you know, from like a visceral present oriented, like rewild, like if I was in the wild stalking a predator or a prey and I'm, or being stalked and I'm in this place where my, my awareness, my senses, my body, my eye contact, right? All parts of myself are having to be aware of each other and aware of themselves. And I'm moving through the world. You've known that for a long time. Oh, totally. We've talked about this. I mean, and we probably even talked about it in our last podcast, but it's been tripping me out with now like masks and all this fear and just how like just feeling the anxiety, collective anxiety and going into the grocery store and people are like enemy terrorist, you know, <laughs> you have the thing. Yeah. That's or kill. even a friend's. Like, I think I told you before where I saw a woman that works at Whole Foods that I've known for a long time. And I saw her for, you know, it was like, oh my gosh. And I went to like touch her shoulder because I'm a touchy kind of person. And then apologize for the fact that my reaction was, I was about to touch you in a loving way. Wow. Oh, I'm so right. sorry. I almost touched you. Right. Yeah, exactly. We're like, you're like a, a terrorist for giving a hug. Yeah. Or even like a brush with my fingertips. Exactly. Yeah. I, I also think how there's this subliminal kind of code, unspoken code 
of, um, you know, what is an appropriate distance to be away from somebody to like walk by without a mask on, without me <laughs> getting judgment or or feeling that I shame that I'm somehow violating this rule that is now this place. Or I notice myself wanting to be like, I'm cool if you're cool, you know, like it's, it, there's 12 feet between us. We're outside. I can, oh, it, you're, I see that yours is down up there. You're about 30 yards in front of me. You saw my smiling face. I saw your smiling face. I'm way over here. You're way over here. I don't like want to shout, hey, you can just keep it down and we'll just, I'll be over here. And we're, you know, and we have this joke when we see folks with a mask on, but their nose is not covered. And we always say their penis is hanging out. Oh my God. Amazing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that person is hanging out. Oh God. Thank <laughs> you for that. But yeah, so with all of that, I've been kind of feeling the sense of just longing for community and longing for tribe and connection to the earth in a way that um, perhaps could have us feeling a little bit safer and a little less anxious and like that our place and our orientation would be like direct, you know, with one another or what we were doing to maintain life and livelihood with the planet and finding myself longing for earth oriented collective activities, you know, whether that, yeah. Couldn't you out there in California go to the beach? Yeah, the beach is something that still is, you know, I feel very privileged to be able to to have that. And and I do, you know, I, I I do. And I put my blanket down and I take a nap and it's really great. So okay, I'm good. I'm very happy to have, have mountains to just just to my east and ocean to the west. It's really great. So well projecting forward into twenty twenty one, do you feel like your spidey sense is things are going to shift in 2021 back to, okay, we can gather and get rid of these masks or stay the same or get worse. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we just looked from an astrological perspective, Jupiter is going to transit from Capricorn into Aquarius and Saturn also moves from Capricorn into Aquarius in 2021. And, um, you know, so come the spring, like April, May, when that when that Jupiter, Jupiter's about kind of expansion and, and travel and um, growth, right? And also kind of like prosperity and um, a real kind of exchange of ideas and um, information in the sense of kind of expanding you to kind of move beyond what your previous experience has been. And Capricorn has been like growth through structures and form, expansion through like places where there's been control. And so, earth energy too, right? And earth energy, exactly. And so that's going to move into Aquarius, you know, which is air energy, social connections, humanity, networking, you know, technology, innovation, um, invention, Right. So like, what are the new here? How, how long was Jupiter in Capricorn? Uh, it's about a 12, little over a 12 month cycle. Okay. So basically year to year, it's about a 12 year progression on average of Jupiter to move through. So it's mm -hmm. 
you know, one sign a year. Okay. So it's, uh, I think anytime Jupiter's in Aquarius, if you kind of look back in 12-year cycles, it's it's really fun to see sort of what social programs end up kind of coming about mm. at that time. So I think- That's when that, Treefort started. Yeah, right. See, exactly. And it's like this whole, this whole sort of cycle of, um, of gathering and networking. And I bet that we will see just in that sense, that gives me, that's like the universe working in our favor, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, cool. Jupiter's moved into Aquarius. Well, hopefully that means that we're going to be able to gather again and we're going to be able to, to, um, have some group experiences and group activities. I think also everything that's going on with the vaccine and distribution for people, regardless of, you know, where an individual feels, how they feel about the vaccine or not. I think, um, the fact that that will be so, you know, in another another four months, I people imagine, have gotten their second um, booster. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, hopefully that means also a different president in the United States. So that new administration and lots of different things are kind of happening. So, okay, so you feel as if things could begin to lighten up. Yeah, like May. Okay. I think May, we're going to... So less dystopian. Less dystopian, yeah. I mean... I mean, this dystopian's here to some degree. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't necessarily know that it's going to be less. I just think it's going to transition and hopefully... What would that look like? I I mean, I imagine that there's still going to be lots of fear and all the trauma Mm -hmm. from this period is we already, uh, to me, what this period sort of revealed was just how unprocessed so many people are with their relationship with trauma and connection to themselves and how to stay present and how to, to what they would need to give themselves kind of healing. and Yeah, I wonder, listening to you speak now, because of the collective trauma, right, and because of the isolation, perhaps folks might be more open to processing their trauma, maybe even in a collective way because of having endured the isolation. And so reaching an edge where it's perhaps I'm ready or I'm willing to take the steps or I'm ready to do what might have felt hard before or I could ignore before. Now I don't want to ignore it. Let's face this. Yeah, I think... I think so. I think that's a big thing with Jupiter and Aquarius also is sort of, and Saturn and Aquarius, right? Systems that are oriented for the people. Mm. So it's literally Mm. like build the new curriculum, build the new programs, put the schools out there, teach this emotional curriculum in, in, in schools, right? Make it available to where there is, you know, um, trauma, orientations and trauma trainings and trauma emotional curriculum that could be. I know you and I are using the word trauma quite freely, but for somebody that maybe doesn't understand that really, or is just, Mm -hmm. is, is newer to that. Sure. Sure. Process. How would you describe that a little better? Okay. What does that mean for an individual that doesn't even know? Or here's trauma and they're like, what's the fuck with all this trauma talk? Trauma, trauma, trauma. I don't get it. Sure. Yeah. Well, in my experience, um, well, I guess, first of all, like into, I, you know, this is what I do for a living is, is help 
human human beings kind of get in touch with themselves on a mental, physical, spiritual, emotional level. And what I notice as if I could then broadly say that anything that sort of wires you out of sync with yourself could be, I would consider as... What does that mean, out of sync with self? So exactly. So in my experience of, of operating in a way where I feel really healthy, really nourished, really connected, or my body feels really, really grounded. Healthy relationships. Healthy relationships. Communication. Exactly. Creativity. The part of me that feels safe in the world where I feel stoked on life, right? So often that these things, they're like called privileges in the modern world. To be like healthy, happy, and awake is a privilege in the 21st century. And to me that that there's something terribly wrong with that. If like the very basic rights of being born on planet earth, of like getting to breathe healthy air, drink clean water, have nourishing food, have healthy relationships, feel safe, that those very kind of like foundational aspects of being a human being are now a privilege and a luxury that to most people. To me, what that speaks to then is, well, then why, why aren't people feeling nourished? Why aren't people feeling connected why aren't people feeling empowered? Why aren't people feeling safe, right? And so that, to me, then speaks to, oh, what what are the traumas that have happened? So, you know, things that have created perpetual dissociation where my body is locked in a fight or flight response, where I feel like there's a crisis and I'm in danger and I'm fighting for my survival on all a all of the time, all even when time. you're just sitting on the couch watching TV. Exactly, that feeling doesn't go away. Yeah, and when you look at the mental health statistics of the developed world, you know they're largely the same around the world, and that about eighty to you know seventy-five to eighty-five percent of the people living in in cities um, are are trapped in a perpetual state of fight or flight, where that means even when there is no actual perception of danger or excuse me, no experience of danger actually in current time, that in themselves, that individual is is having an experience that danger is going on even when in the outside world, it's not, right? And so that to me, you know, trauma in that sense would be things that remove you from a sense of safety and presence. If after the fact. So, right, the, the, the kind of big T trauma would be like a car accident or, you know, a near-death experience or something. And a little T trauma could be like growing up in an abusive home or that growing That could be up, a big one also. That could be a big one. There could be, or, or, or how about like living in poverty? Maybe you yeah. didn't have food all the time or maybe you didn't have access all the time. So there could be like a little T trauma where you're constantly worried if you're going to have food or not. Right. right. And so you live, but you're not necessarily, but maybe there was a lot of love in that home. It just happened to be poor and mm-hmm. not have access. Or a to- bad breakup or losing your job or right. COVID. Right. Yeah, COVID. So let's, yeah, exactly. So I think collectively, we've all gone through this trauma together. We're all living through this trauma right now. And I haven't seen a lot of, of um, national communication 
mm-hmm. or like things being broadcast on all of the you know major networks or any. Well, we of- had that concert with Lady Gaga in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And that big sponsorship, all the sponsorship. I don't even want to go there. Yeah, we can we can go there. Uh, thank you for that. Um, yeah. So, bringing about a, a you know more tools to be able to say, hey, when I start to feel all this anxiety, when I start to think in thoughts that are critical, crisis oriented. Where us I'm, versus them. Us versus them, always and never. Separation. We're in, you know, yeah, enemy. A from, spiral. Exactly. And anxiety. And, and I start noticing my breath is short and I'm feeling panic and I don't know. And I'm now feeling and thinking in fear and everything is right. Everything's that, wrong. Everything's bad. Yes. Shut down. Yes. It's a so, big one. That's a one major way that it shows up is when you notice you've become numb or shut down yep. or dissociated, like you said. Yeah. So to me, regardless of spiritual orientation or political affiliation, I'm noticing there's like a universal sort of response that is, you know, consistent amongst all of the the various factions and groups and that to me is this collective experience of trauma that people are living through. And based on my witnessing of humans in the in this experience, I would say that what is indicative is that there is a lack of tools and a lack of knowledge and a lack of training and education, understanding for what to do to how to respond in traumatic experiences and how to process that trauma through your body and get back into a place where you feel safe. And, and it begins feel- where? In your body. It begins in, in your body. the ability to presence yep. and even recognize and know what you are feeling. Yep. This is what my body's feeling. This is what my emotion is right now. This is where I'm blocked right now. This is what's happening in my mind. Can I recognize these points of myself? Yep. And then what would I need to what are the needs, right? I think that's one of the biggest things that's so hard. When you are in a trauma loop, you get locked out of recognizing your own needs, right? You don't, you're not even connecting with what you might need because you're not actually connecting with what you're feeling or what's going on in your body. So you, and, and then what it does is it projects outside, Right mm-hmm. of like you're not keeping me safe. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not safe. Oh, here's mm-hmm. a crisis. Okay, here's a, a hyper vigilance can arise. Yeah, yeah. and instead of recognizing, mm-hmm. oh, if I'm thinking like this and I'm projecting this out, that means in here I'm feeling unsafe. I'm feeling like I'm in danger. Well, is the house on fire? Is the ship sinking? <laughs> Am I about to get eaten by the tiger? Chances are no for the majority of us. So then what do I do to be able to recognize, okay, wait a minute, I'm okay, like I'm okay, but the feeling that I'm having that I'm not okay, it might only be going on in here, right, Mm -hmm. in my own body. It might not actually be going on in my immediate environment. And then the need would be what? 
The need would be connection, safety, nourishment, love, groundedness, to know that I'm safe, to know that I'm held, to know that it's okay, that I'm having all of these different experiences. Mm -hmm. And and that's something that I really have... um, I feel that we're kind of at a deficit with around when I go into the grocery store, I go into the bank or when I'm witnessing just, you know, all the other humans and people are just living in crisis. Right. And just like, and yes, it is true. That's warranted to the degree that we're living in a collective trauma, right. To that level. But then if there aren't tools to maybe know how to breathe and maybe to put your hands on your body and and help yourself calm down or then to recognize hey i need some support if we're taught to feel that we're we should be able to do everything ourselves that we shouldn't sh- if they're bad feelings we don't need to feel them cuz those are bad and we shouldn't be having them so we just pretend like we're not and stuff it down or check out numb out or try to blame somebody else project it away from us or get on social media and write a comment somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Cancel somebody because they're obviously feeling trauma too. And they obviously don't have tools either. And they're freaking out and need help too. So why don't I get on there and I'll just add to it by judging them and blaming them and shaming them and canceling them and telling them why they're wrong. And I'm right. And I feel really safe in here too, obviously. <laughs> so... That's something that I really hope I, I would see Jupiter in Aquarius, Saturn in Aquarius. I could see that kind of moving into the world, even with the program that you're offering and the programs that I'm offering, things that you and I do together, right? The programs we offer together. I think that we're going to see a lot more of that in 2021, where the response to the collective trauma that we've been going through on top of years and years and years of, of accumulated kind of trauma within our systems and things a lot it kind of broke down and generations 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 and generations yeah i mean i was thinking about this i mean i'm doing that course with thomas hubel right and we had Mm -hmm. to talk or think internally personally about our own collective trauma and i was thinking to myself wow i think i have all of the collective trauma history of coming from a race and a culture that are colonizers. And what does that feel like and look like? And what dissociation was needed generations back in order to, one, uproot and leave your traditional homeland and family. And maybe why did that happen that you left in whatever way you did? And then go to a new place where you're there's genocide and you're dominating another race of people so that you can take over. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I really actually welcome that, that lens of, of reflection for people, for us, for, for, you know, folks of Caucasian ancestry and really for all peoples in the world to backtrack that conversation of like how long let's look at colonization right yeah. how how long ago was it that we were living as as tribal peoples as indigenous peoples as a caucasian mm-hmm. person right because mm-hmm. i we once were 
indigenous too, right? right. We're, still, we're still indigenous, actually. <laughs> like I'm on planet Earth. Exactly. I'm indigenous to this planet, just like yes. everyone else. But the the level of that kind of generational genocide and generational colonization, you're yeah, right. Before, be, before colonizing to, let's say, the United States, for example, my heritage comes from the United Kingdom. And, you know, earlier in the Roman era, I was listening to a podcast. I didn't get all the way through. It's like six hours, but it's called the Celtic Holocaust and how the Roman Empire disseminated and dominated and wiped out all of the, for lack of a better term, Celtic cultures that were in Northern Europe. Yeah, exactly. And that was another form of, yeah. like the spread has continued to spread and spread and spread. Yeah. You go back and back. Yeah. Yeah. I really love um, that when we teach our sacred relations work and the part about kind of going back to be like, and same thing with the social justice work that, um, you know, Marcy and I teach together uh, and you and I have taught together also um, is, is, is um, kind of going back to where and how this cycle of violence really began and being able to track it, you know, from a a conditional sort of perspective and looking at it through a trauma lens of then how there's transgenerational trauma mm-hmm. and like epigenetics and how mm-hmm. all of that stuff has come into form and being able to look at, you might be born in, right? You come into the world with this accumulated trauma in your, in your genes and your ancestry. And so regardless if there was big T trauma in your home life, maybe you already came into the world carrying this, this sense of- Well, we do. Well, completely. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, that's the place of like, I think everybody, regardless of race or creed, should be asking themselves these questions. Yeah. And so then I, I haven't fully internally processed this conversation at all or with anybody else. I'm just speaking to it now, but zooming it forward, then you wonder like, well, it's like, well, no wonder we're so individualistic if we've had to leave place, connection, community behind over and over and over again and shut down the feeling of what that's doing to other intact communities that we have come in contact with. Completely. And it makes a lot of sense why people are drawn, like unconsciously drawn to really rich cultures in this Mm -hmm. strange way, right? I mean, I think that's kind of a slippery slope because it gets into some kind of assimilation, you know, appropriation, annihilation kind but of. But the seeking is true, but and the, the intention is, is often exactly. very pure. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, it's completely, and and yeah, that's part of what I noticed just at this new year, like circling back around of just being out there and noticing this place where I really have a grief of of my loss of tribe and my loss of community equally from an ancestral perspective, but then now living through this COVID time or whatever and feeling how we're all isolated and separated. And I have my computer that is my main source of connection with people. I mean, what? <laughs> no, thank you. You know, like I want to be able to feel you and, and, you know, move together and, and have this like deep experience. And that is something that is kind of fewer and far between now, you know. It's almost it's, as if 
technology now is the new colonizer. Yeah, completely. And in a way, that's kind of how it's always been, right? If there was a dominating culture that ended up coming into some power of technology that was more innovative to dominate, right? And whether that would be weapons or or um, different machinery and tech, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Technology continues mm-hmm. to advance. It's been a technological so advantage. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And now we're at a place where so many of the technological advantages, I feel like, are are revealing themselves to to have created some some biological disadvantages in the sense that why is 80 some percent of the world locked in a survival setting where everybody is having like cancers in their 40s and heart attacks and depression and obesity and all of the things that are going on it seems like collectively we're all pretty sick and yet the technologies we've all created are somehow supposed to make us healthier and make our lives easier. But is that really what we're seeing? You know? Mm, no. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it's actually no. doing that. I, I don't I don't think it Yeah. It, and then you rewind. I saw, I think it was Jason Silva. I came across a um just a blurb of his on social media the other day that he was referencing some psychologist that I won't remember in this moment. But the psychologist was saying how the two elements or two things in the world that he has noticed help de- depression, anxiety, etc. besides prescription drugs, there's two things. Can you guess what those two things are? Um, breathing and uh, nature or sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> nature and music. Oh, nice. Nature and music. That's nice are like nature's or the world or the universe's yeah. prescription yeah, or healing balm, healing mm. essence. I love it. Yeah. And one of the things that la- this lacking now, and you've spoken to it a little bit for me, and in addition to the gathering is loud music, loud music moments where you can just like let your body dance and be yeah. free and move and have that organic release. Yeah. Yeah. I when was the last time you really danced? I mean, I've had some living room sessions because, you know, I've just, I have to, but um, not with a group of people. I mean, I was just actually, as you were saying that, I kind of had this like, oh yeah, duh, like social distancing, like gathering in groups is like a crime right now. So like the fact that just thinking about that, that like, wow, we're at living in a, time when gathering in groups over eight or 10 or 12 for vast majority of the world is against the the law. I mean, wow. So talk about individual, where we've gone, where we're at now compared to like some sense of we or togetherness. It's, It's wild. But yeah, dancing, agreed, music, movement. I'd say breath. I'd say the the, the nature prescription for... Yeah, well, part of music would be singing and then that is breath, right? All the pranayama mm-hmm. with chanting mm-hmm. or the vibration of sound or... Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's nice. Something that I'm, I'd love to pick your brain about and share is, you know, something I've been thinking about is sort of like the, all the lies, all the lying. I've really been thinking a lot about lying and mm-hmm. how why 
do we, why is there so much lying? You know, why is, is like, there, why are people not honest? Yeah. Yeah. Like weird. Isn't it fascinating that. Well, you know, I would say trauma, to, right? Exactly. If I, if completely, and part of it is the belief that most of us all carry that if I'm wrong, I'm unlovable. That's a core wound for many of us. And so we'll do a lot to stay in the right or be right because we're really afraid of being wrong. And being wrong is seen as weakness or default or failure. And then they, again, therefore, at the heart heart is I'm not lovable. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not enough as a result of the thing I did wrong. And now love is going to go away. Right. If I, I'm honest, love will go away. I'm honest. I love can't be accepted for no. who I am. And I've been raised conditionally where the program says you have to act like this in order to be loved. And exactly. then inside your being, you're like, but that's not really me. Exactly. That's so not that's, my truth. I have to act and pretend and posture and be fake all of the time because I think that's what's going to get it love. Exactly. So I'm not even authentic in my way of being, let alone the words I'm speaking or truths I mean I need to tell. Yeah. And I think that's the part that what's so ironic to me about truth telling and about lies, I've really just been kind of slowing it down a lot and really unpacking it kind of even more deeply than I th I think I previously have. The truth is is always in there, regardless of how well I kind like of- Like you always I, know the truth. Yeah, the truth you is always, always know. in there. But maybe the part of you that could connect to what is the deeper truth, that could, part we can kind of get conditioned out of connecting with. Yeah, and like you say, it can be hijacked. You exactly. don't even know how to get there. Exactly. And so that's what I- I'm thinking too, like when in Vipassana training where you're asked to not speak for the 10 days that you're there. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons is so that you don't lie because even in our normal everyday conversations, they're full of exaggerations and white lies. Exactly. Like we're not even like hiding a major fault. We're just exaggerating. Exactly. And that's what I, what I mean is, yeah, like with this, kind of really dialing it down, what is it that has patterned itself like a, you know, runaway train, right? We've got a runaway train with lying in our, in our culture. Nobody's driving the train. It's all just conditioned and it is set in motion years and years and years of a culture that told us that we should look like this, sound like this, talk like this, act like this, do all these things. This is the right way, the wrong way. Here's, here's how it's all qualified, right? And quantified. And if you're not measuring up to this kind of way, the right way, the perfect way, then that means somehow you're failing, you're not enough, right? You're, you're, you you're didn't wrong. try hard enough, right? You're unlovable, unseeable, whatever. So shame, shame-based culture ultimately. And so mm -hmm. shame is internalized as this as this sense of identity where i think that i actually am uh, not as worthy well now you think that you are because you're carrying your secrets exactly and so then even and then we're told not to lie right so we're told we're shamed if we lie 
we're told that lying is like a sin. Oh no, it's a catch 22. Exactly, exactly. So now <laughs> now we're gonna shame the shame. We're gonna shame the shame and we're gonna be caught in a thing. So I'm lying about not lying. And so now all of a sudden I'm, but what I've been being like- You're reminding me of confession. I was raised Roman Catholic. Okay. And I had to start going to confession beginning maybe like third grade. I'm just like, you know, I'm like nine. I'm like Benji's age, right? And when you're forced to go into confession, you go into the booth and the priest is there and you're supposed to tell him your sins. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't have anything to say. And so I would lie and make up things to have something to say (laughs) in the confession booth because it was what you were supposed to do. Oh my God, amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so precious. I love thinking about that image of sweet little baby young Marissa being like, then then I did this. And I didn't know, (laughs) even though I didn't really do that, but I'm trying to get the attention that well, I'm the, supposed to be doing it right. I'm supposed to be doing this right. Yeah, I wanted to get it right. I'm no, like, I've got to say something bad. Exactly. Okay, I'll make up some stuff. Or maybe now I'm going to have to do something bad so I have something to confess. <laughs> so, oh, wow. That's a whole nother layer. But what one thing I've noticed, there's all this talk about boundaries, mm. you know, in our, in our whatever, generalized new age development self-realization world right we hear boundaries all the time right like and from this perspective of really kind of going deep with lying i realized that um lies have taken the place of boundaries in our culture tell me more about that that um you know so let's say my biological feeling is i'm feeling unsafe as a result of something that's happened in my environment, let's say, you know, I'm hanging out and all of a sudden something really intense is going on around me. And, you know, I start to feel unsafe inside and I start to shut down. And then maybe somebody asks me a question about something that happened, right? Let's say I'm a child and I broke a vase or something. And my mom is like on a rampage and sees the vase and is screaming at me. And I feel scared that I'm going to get hurt or I'm going to get punished or I'm going to whatever. Love is going to go away on on some level. And so she's like, did you do this? And immediately I'm like, no. It was Andrew. It was Andrew. Yeah, my twin brother. Exactly. It was Andrew. He did it. You're right. Like I immediately will lie to create a boundary mm. that could keep me safe yeah. in that moment, right? Everybody's done that. Oh, completely, 100%. And and so then what's hard is we feel guilty if we've lied or not told the truth, right? Because then there's that other side of- oh, Andrew's getting wrong. spanked and you feel bad. Yeah, and yeah, maybe you're getting actually physically punished or, you know, whatever. Causing it for somebody uh, else. Uh, exactly. Like the scene in the Christmas story when she asked right. him, "How? Right. Where? where did you learn- yeah. Curse words. It was yeah. from the dad, but he blamed it on his friends. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So all these lies as a way to honor what our needs might be, but this sense where boundaries then kind of have like taken yeah. the place of, and there's a judgment connected to it. Well, there's, I mean, there's so many things happening in that moment and that dynamic that you just used as an example, right? 
the child is scared and the child, if it could and felt safe, would say, I feel unsafe. Exactly. I feel scared right now. Exactly. exactly. But they don't have and, the and, voice to say that. And perhaps it is quite unsafe for so, them. Yeah, because it's not necessarily untrue that lying isn't the tool that you need to survive. Yeah. It, it might actually be the thing you need because if I was to tell the truth and suddenly I'm going to get abused and judged and punished and shamed and and maybe abandoned or something because of what actually did happen, obviously I'm going to cr- learn a mechanism that would create the thing I would need to have done or said or be in order for love to not go away, in order for me to stay safe, right? And we learn that unconsciously. We don't consent to that. We just sort of learn that as a byproduct of conditioning and survival. And then, you know, elementary becomes junior high, becomes high school, becomes college, becomes adult in the world. And you may have built a whole scaffolding of how your mind and your body and your sense of self and survival all work together to where lying is just this art form that you that you carry and the skill that you have of knowing when I can say what, how much of what I can say or can't say. Right, and then the lie that's just the um, omission. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I didn't lie. Yeah. I just didn't tell you. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. (laughs) But then internally, it's from the body, from the inside out perspective, from the feelings inside your body, the part of you is biologically having an experience that's not lying, right? Your body's not lying. Your body is actually having an experience of whatever you're living through. So deep down inside, buried beneath all of the layers and behind all the walls and behind the layers of judgment and projection and lies and the things that happened, the things I wished would have happened or didn't happen or maybe whatever, right? All of that kind of fantasy structure that's around the body or around my mind, deep down mm-hmm. in here, I've actually had an experience, I'm having an experience most likely that I'm not actually in relationship with, right? And so so what that's what I'm noticing is really opening this up to bring it into conversation with people mm-hmm. of like, okay, what would you need in order to feel safe experiencing your truth? in this moment. I would need to not feel like I was going to be judged for my truth. Exactly. Number one. Yeah. That it was that. So therefore a permission and a safety to have the experience you're having. Right. Which would mean that there would have to be an environment that could welcome whatever it is that you're going through, regardless of how that's going to make me feel or what I wished would or wouldn't have. Doesn't that usually require MDMA? (laughs) (laughs) if you're lucky if you're lucky enough i guess yeah right exactly well that's why i have alcohol you know exactly exactly oh gosh alcohol doesn't help i mean yeah you know what liquid courage maybe not truth but courage anyway uh no i i So that's been something that's been kind of fun to like notice, you know, being like, wow. It makes me think of Maharaji's teaching, love everyone and tell the truth. Mm. Love everyone and tell the truth. And Ram Dass saying to him, 
if I tell the truth, I would say that I don't love everyone. And Maharaj is saying, tell the truth and love everyone. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's in that, that and in order in order for for that to happen, something I'm offering as an inquiry is just even being able to ask myself the question, what would I need in order for me to be supported in the truth that I'm experiencing? Right? What would I need? What are my needs? What what's the ask? Mm-hmm. Do I do I need a different set of boundaries so that I can feel supported? And having the experience I'm having, and how do I do that? Right? When you say a different set of boundaries, what do you mean? Like uh, boundaries that could be oriented in supporting the truth that I have, instead of boundaries that are oriented in protecting the truth that I'm experiencing. So, like my boundary is to try to keep me safe based on the threat that I'm going to be canceled or love's going to go away or I'm somehow bad and wrong because I didn't do the right thing. Whereas instead, a truth-oriented boundary might be, hey, how can I support the needs that that I'm having? How can I support the feelings that I'm having, the experience that I'm experiencing? What boundaries would I need in order to support my truth, which is maybe... I don't feel safe around that person or maybe I don't really want to do that thing or maybe, you know, I'm not actually honoring what my needs are. So how could I create boundaries that actually support me having the needs that I'm having, you know, mm-hmm. and and therefore the relationships I'm engaging in. You know, it's just so tricky because the human experience is one where living, let's say, what you're describing is living in integrity, right? Requires, I feel like in this moment, we require so much vigilance. Like a high level. Oh, I mean, or just, yeah, the the And the high level of um, the same from those you're in relationship with. If, if I were to say, for example... I'm so committed to my truth that I'll never shut down or I'll never be reactive or I'll never project. Like the ability to process, maybe we get better at it. Maybe it happens quicker, perhaps through the lived experience of it, but it feels in this moment like it would take a lot of energy to always be that way. Yeah, I, I mean, it, isn't it daunting to even to just recognize what that's that statement of what you just shared, like that we live in a world where maintaining truth, maintaining presence of from the inside out seems like a tall order. Yeah. And like, maybe that's just my my baggage that I bring to it. Well, I mean no, I mean I think you're right. Like we live in a culture that is built on and maintained and established itself off of lies. Yes. Like we're living out of relationship with the earth. We're living out of relationship with what's sustainable. We're living out of relationship with what's healthy and then all lying about it. Like, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm good. As I'm like, 
<laughs> I'm fine. I'm Everything's fine. 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 Yeah, I'm fine. How are you doing? Fine. Busy. Oh, yeah, it's great. When really I'm like, please, God, help me. You know? But it's like, oh, don't let her know that you're actually not okay because then maybe you won't have, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. So, but then on the same token, when you go to the grocery store and the person's like, how are you doing today? You're like, I'm living on the edge of a steep cliff, actually. And any moment I'm about to have a complete nervous breakdown. How are you? You know, like, it's like there's this place where we don't have a world set up to receive the truth that could handle yeah. the truth. It's almost as if you're making me feel like, you know, it's typical of our westernized American greeting to say, how are you? You know, versus like in India, it's namaste, where people are just saying to each other, I see the light in you. I see the light in you. I see the light in you. We can almost change our greeting. Yeah. To project yeah. just something sweet and positive. I instead think of a, idea. a think, shallow, like, yeah. something tell me that, that you're fine. Yeah, something that forces us into lying. <laughs> right? It's literally yeah. like, it's just, you're, it's, yeah. And, it, and is that really even what we want to be? I like, I see you, you know, I, there's some in different tri- indigenous tribes and things around the world where they, where that's a thing. Mm-hmm. I see you. you in know? the cash. In the cash. Exactly. I am another yourself. Exactly. Aloha. Yeah, exactly. Mahalo. The love, the love. Exactly. Yeah. But. Uh, Shalom. Yeah, there's lots of, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of different things we could say as a greeting, you know. But that's fun. It's nice to talk to you about that. I, I It's been interesting noticing. I've been also kind of like unpacking judgment and how if my mind is thinking in judgment, it means that I'm not feeling safe inside myself. It means that something has threatened my sense of safety and my mind is is gone. Or that you're hungry or tired. Oh, exactly. Biological, right? It just it, for physical, physiological need first. Mm-hmm. But just really learning tools to have a witness and actually understanding that the way my mind is processing may be symptomatic to a deeper issue that's actually going of on. Of course it is. Oh, completely. I mean, that's exactly. <laughs> but it's been nice to notice, oh, wow, I just... I just felt like I needed to lie to this person, to my girlfriend, when she asked me if I threw away the cheese or not with like this very incriminative kind of tone the other day after I just got giving done giving a teaching on this very thing. I walked out into the kitchen and she's like, did you throw away my vegan cheese or whatever, you know? And I immediately was like... You know, mom, I'm caught red-handed. I did something wrong. I'm now feeling like threatened. Oh, oh. and I immediately wanted to be like, no, I didn't. <laughs> you know, it was, it like, was three. Uh, it was three. Yeah, I'll blame it on the teenager <laughs> that's in the house. Exactly. It was your daughter. It wasn't me. Please, I, I'm. Yeah, I didn't mean to, it, or whatever. Right? It's like automatically, like I've done something what wrong. What cheese? What cheese are you even talking about? Exactly. Exactly. And, <laughs> and it was so fascinating to just to have come out in the moment of feeling really open and great after a session I just had and unpacked a bunch of this stuff, helping someone, you know, through their own kind of references with truth telling and other things in their life. And then to come into the kitchen, into that energy and automatically feel the place where I'm like, 
the lie is my boundary. <laughs> well, you can just recognize that that's your manas. Like that's the lower mind instinctual response. It's like, oh, I have instinctual responses that arise. That's really perfectly normal. And then my higher mind is also online where I can see the instincts come up, the program. And then you choose to say, oh yeah, sorry, babe. Or what did you say? Well, it was the cheese was all dried out because someone didn't put the lid back on it. And it was, which is often an occurrence in the fridge. Oh that, boy. That things don't get actually cared for in a way that would preserve them. So it was all crusty and like split open, cracked, had dried out. And so it looked gross and like it needed to be, you know, thrown away. So I threw it away. And But did you say that? We ended up, I yeah, oh, I ended up having a whole, yeah, I did. I said, why? And she's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And and I could feel that really there was anger connected to it, but that anger wasn't something I had to then shy away from and somehow I've done something wrong and now I'm in trouble and love's going to go away. And I've, no, it was, yeah, she was upset because she really wanted that thing. And it makes sense that then when it wasn't there and someone had thrown it away and she didn't get it, oh, I'm frustrated. I really wanted that. And that doesn't mean that I somehow have to be like, I've done something wrong and I'm a bad person and love is going to go away. But because there's all of this kind of unresolved trauma from a culture that has shamed us, judged us, punished us, guilted us our whole lives, and then told us just how unperfect we are and what we should be doing in order to be perfect, we're constantly in this place where I'm like, am I safe in this moment? Is love going away? In a second, just based off some random shit that she said about a thing, you know, it's like, it's unbelievable how much of that stuff is in there. And what I do love about it, Marissa, is that these tools and things that we develop and these practices that we we have and offer and are constantly exploring, they really help to change some of those old conditioned settings where I said, you know, you said there's kind of higher mind, lower mind but it doesn't have to be static. That lower mind doesn't have to stay on that setting where I'm constantly- No, it becomes less and less. Exactly. Yeah, and quieter. And then, you know, really what happens is with the sankalpas, you know, to use the, the yogic word of like these conditioned habitual responses, which is really what that is. When it arises and you don't go into it, it's diminishing and losing its power and eventually it no longer arises. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I love is regardless if I'm in relationship with the truth, it's still in there and there's power there. And I'm noticing that if I can harvest off of some of these old conditions or the sankalpas, right? Some of these old kind of or the karmas even, and samskaras even, right? My wounds. Yeah, samskaras, sorry. Sankalpa wasn't right, samskaras. Yeah, yeah, samskaras, right. Sankalpa. Sankalpa is your intention. Exactly, yeah. And the samskaras are the habitual conditioned responses. And that I can use those as like compost for power. They are, indeed. They are. I mean, that's, and it's this alchemy where suddenly I get to recognize, oh, wow, I don't have to hold that lie anymore that kept me safe as a kid because I was in an environment where this lie was my boundary 
and it was unsafe to try to have a need. I wasn't allowed to have needs in certain of in, in my environment in certain ways, as as I think is true for lots of people. Mm-hmm. And suddenly now as a conscious adult, I can take that in, a, in an aware being, right? I can take that program and the part of me that lied as a result of the thing that was in my environment. And now I can compost that and I can break it down and create fertilizer for myself of, of knowing, oh, wow, I needed that then and I don't need that now. How could I actually use that as something to be fuel for you know, my awareness or the life that I'm living? And I love it. It's like a it's like this kind of gardening, quantum gardening or something. Yeah, right? and it makes it all sort of playful and yeah. exploratory and learning. And bridging together of like, hey, I think you're carrying around some of this stuff too. Me too. What are the tools that you've found that have helped you dissolve your different defense mechanisms and the traumas you've experienced? And being able to say, wow, we're not actually so different from one another, even though we may look different on the outside or we have different levels of affluence or have arrived at different you know, sides of the political spectrum, our needs from a tra- trauma perspective are actually quite similar. I would need to feel safe. I would need to feel connected. I would need to feel that I can, I'm allowed to have the feelings I'm having that, that, and that you're gonna be here with me, right? Are you here with me? Mm. And, 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 and that's a deep, a deep kind of um, reset that I that I hope we see more of in in 2021 and going forward is a real humanity, right? How do we get back to a sense of humanity with one another that could, despite me maybe feeling threatened, could I in myself recognize the feelings I'm having, neutralize whatever kind of you know unresolved energy I might be carrying? And could I still remain open to being like, wow, what experience is this person having? And how have they arrived at the the conclusions that they've arrived at, perhaps in their conditioning and the life they've lived, the response of what where they've arrived is actually reflective of everything that they've experienced, even though that might be very different from mine. And then what would I need to maintain a sense of connection you know, that could really empathize and have some compassion while also having a boundary that's not perpetuating the lying and the problems or whatever. And the projecting. The projecting, yeah. Pretty fun yoga, Hmm. right? Pretty fun. I uh, mean, and that's it. That's the yoga. It is the yoga. Yep. Beautiful. I've been been really loving, loving these these little bits and different tools and different pieces. Yeah, I'm grateful you're in a relationship with someone that does have such a high level of awareness that you can talk for 30 minutes about the cheese. (laughs) It's fascinating. I mean, yeah, it didn't take, fortunately, it didn't take 30 minutes, but the truth-telling piece, this bigger piece that's come up, I'm also grateful that I'm in a relationship where we can do that. Um, Yeah, it's a real real blessing. Um, ideally, we would live in a world, you know, where we're allowed to have the experience that we're having and love's not going to go away as a result. Yeah, I feel like it's possible. I do. 
it's just it's um outside of our normal pattern because one we're so quick you know we don't give things time we want it's brief everything's brief right and so one lesson or opportunity of 2020 is slowing down and taking our time and feeling and i think in many ways for most of us but not all of us that we perhaps have more time and are at a greater choice or have the ability to um, discern and reflect at a higher level than we were when we were on the hamster wheel so fully that, you know, even if we decide to choose to have slower conversations, more in-depth conversations with our partners, with our friends, with our children, with our colleagues, with our beloveds, with a stranger. You've always been really great at that. Something I've always admired about you is your presence that you give nearly everyone. There's a sense of like, I think that's why so many people fall so madly in love with you. (laughs) Like when you're with them, even for the first time, that you're very present. Hardly ever are you like going from here to there. Will you, you know what I mean? It's not like a, hey, and then keep going. It's like, hi. Yeah. I yeah. see you. Yeah. Here you are. Here you are. Here I am. Yeah. And so again, like with the cheese, it takes a while to talk about it versus yeah. you could have said it in a way where it's like, I threw it away, but it needed to be thrown away and you never put the lid on. Right. Exactly. Right. And then you walk away. Right. Yeah. Honestly, Marissa, I think you're really nailing it there. Like... The level, the like you said before, the amount of time that it takes to maintain the integrity of presence and self-awareness in a world that is built on the opposite of that, yeah. where you don't actually take time to connect or drop in or tell the truth, that you're always busy, always on the go, multitasking everything. It's never, you've got to build everything, you've got to do everything, you've got to maintain everything so that you can dot, 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 keep the thing going, right? And and then have the reward that somehow you're winning because you're able to have the most non-presence. <laughs> you get the most non-presence award. So, I did job. all of these things with hardly even paying attention. Exactly. Good job. You're totally winning at that crazy unprocessed amount of trauma and high anxiety that you have. And you're, you know fake this and fake that and veneered this and lacquered that or whatever. It's like, yeah, the slowing down. What a beautiful permission. I agree. I think 2020 really provided, um, forced people into some slowing down. And that was a traumatic experience for many, um, which I recognize the, the luxury of privilege. I think we really got to see the division of class so much more through through 2020 and really recognizing that there really is a very large gap um, in what kind of life experience is available if you're living, depending on where you are in like the monetary spectrum, you know, how able are you to, doesn't necessarily mean that it always is that way, right? You could be wealthy and have everything and be miserable and unhealthy and malnourished and totally locked out and broken, which we see with a lot of a lot of very wealthy people and mm-hmm. also you could be completely you know salt of the earth living from hand to mouth like 
a farmer in the Andes, uh, in the Sacred Valley or something in Peru, and your food is what you harvest every day, but your body is totally healthy and nourished, even though like you only have the clothes on your back that you wove and spun yourself and you live in this small group with people, but yet you're free and you have all of this nourishment because you're actually eating really healthily and living, following the natural rhythms. And, but we and might surrounded look, by loved ones and, and surrounded by loved ones, you know, but we might look at that and think, Oh, that person is living in poverty and they're so destitute and wow, they're bad off. Or people that actually are not that, that are living without resources. And, you know, generally speaking, we could say that money does create access. And with that access, a person could have food, have water, have shelter, have clothes with more regularity than a person who doesn't have that access, right? But um, one thing that's been nice is noticing the slowdown. Mm -hmm. And I think we have seen more intimacy. I'm noticing it in like my relationship with my own family where yeah. there's been more time to actually have like deeper conversations. And I've been asking some of these questions of like, hey, what would you need, mom? What would you need, dad? You know, how, how to be, to feel safe, to, to, could you use anything? Like, do you need some help? You know, do you want to have a conversation about how overwhelmed you feel? Or Have they taken you up on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been sharing, um, sharing, you know, from this place with both my parents, um, with more intimacy. As I feel more intimate in myself, I kind of offer that as a place. I think both of them get to come and know that I'm going to, someone's going to hear them and not judge them, you know, and, and just listen. So I think, yeah, anyway, it is, it's been an interesting, interesting year, interesting transition what about for you? How do you feel in your 2021 projections? Like any things, like any big revelations from from 2020 that you are going to implement in 2021? Well, I know from like mid-19 all the way through near the end of 2020, my f- greater feeling sense quality state was grounded expansion which I feel was fully describes my experience. And the two words that I have now that have been so present with me since probably like mid-November are spacious abundance, which speaks to, for me, that means this stillness, this slowing down, the emptying out, the... I'm personally in a place where... I mean, I started in 2020 having just open source, right? Just open source meditation space, still having my yoga studio, starting a new 200-hour yin teacher training, um, and then just about to embark on the Australia tour with Krishna. And so all these things that I was doing, 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 doing. And then a lot of like hope for things like the meditation studio and what that might become. And then now I don't have any kind of desire to create anything new or to start anything new or to become anything new. Like the maybe the, the old like what do you 
proving or what do you need to prove? I feel like I don't need to prove anything to myself or anybody else. Mm. And so I feel really open and I want to continue to stay really open to what comes to me without my mind projecting forward what the plan is. I want the quality to feel like spacious abundance, but I don't know how that's going to look. And I feel in within that too, I spoke to you about this briefly when we chatted the other day, surrender is my other big piece. And there's an inner archetype I have of the rebel, the rule breaker, rules don't apply to me, the fighter, the warrior, the anarchist perhaps. And that part feels like it's laying down its sword and I'm entering more a space of welcoming what is without resisting what is and bridging the old into the new through that act of surrender. Mm, That sounds beautiful. I love to feel that for you, having been one of your close allies for the last decade, decade plus, and now getting to know everything that you've been through to claim this time and claim this phase and step into that kind of newness and the experience of something different. I love to feel that. And I bet that feels really exciting for you, you know, just of, of like, wow, this is a new time. Slowing mm-hmm. down, spacious abundance, quality of spacious abundance. That feels, that feels nice. Let's, let's send that out to the world. <laughs> may, may, may all beings experience the quality of spacious abundance. <laughs> It's the quality of the pause. Yeah. The quality of the pause and no lack. Yeah. It's, that's nice. I'd, I'd say that my personal movement is, is similar. I, I've spent so many years of my life um, building. Yeah. Building, building, constantly serving, serving the next thing, the next project, the next group of save the world, save the salmon, save the unicorns, save the rainforest, like this dooming crisis that we're all battling to try to save. And and um, I feel like something that's transitioned is I have a deep relationship with what what's going on in the world and actually feeling the alarm that is present. So it's not like a dissociation. It's not some new age sort of bypass. I'm, I'm in deep relationship with what's happening. And the part of me that gets to choose what I'm doing with my energy, what I'm doing with my presence, what I'm doing with my witness, where I'm putting my attention, where do I feel like efforting or whatever? Mm-hmm. And what's come for me is this commitment to continuing to stay really present with myself and really true to what my actual truth 
and my feelings and my needs are as my priority, like as my passion stream. As Which my- you can only know in the moment. Exactly. Yeah. It's this past year has given us the great lesson of how does it feel when you can't plan anything? Exactly. And you recognize, wow, it kind of feels really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To not plan anything. Yeah. And overcommit. Yeah. For many of us, not all of us, of course. Yeah, exactly. And, and um and that doesn't say that things aren't going to arise or we won't do things or whatever. I'm sure a lot is going to come out of 2021 that we can't even begin to imagine yet. It's going to be fantastic and fabulous. And there'll be heartbreaks as well and grief and loss as well. But I don't want to, I'm really resistant to projecting from this moment what into the future it's going to be. Like you're speaking to, it's just what's the truth right here. Yeah. And honestly, I feel a great sense of relief at actually getting to commit to myself this way, committing to that integrity path, like you mentioned before, of maintaining presence and truth telling from the inside of myself out. And when I can catch my own need, like when I notice that I'm having a need and a feeling and there's something that would help me stay balanced or stay nourished. And instead of going into projection or abandoning that part of myself and doing the habituated thing that I think I'm supposed to do and I'm going to put out the fires and manage the crisis and save the world, <laughs> instead of that, when I can just save myself and, and actually be in deep relationship here, I feel like I'm winning a, an award or a prize from myself. And then the presence I'm able to maintain, I actually feel so much more connected to the people in my life. I, I feel so much more depth and so much more kind of beauty in that connection, whether it be a stranger at the grocery store or, or someone in my you know, intimate, intimate sphere. Um, and that feels like something really powerful that I don't know. I, I don't know when the shift would have taken place for me had it not been for the last couple of years of my life and 2020 being this like forced introspection and forced kind of like shutdown kind of energy to force me into looking at a lot of my patterns and my lifestyle and, you know, get go deeper. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 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 I feel, I feel very similar. I feel very, yeah, like these past couple of years have given, I feel like I'm so much more better of a person. <laughs> yeah. And I was great and fine or whatever before, but now it feels embodied and maintainable or sustainable i feel like a like i can sustain it because i've unpacked and worked through so much right yeah Yeah, that's that's something also too right when we feel safe and received and we have healed through places where we had you know wounds and walls and the things that we've had in our bodies when we feel supported to actually move through those gates of awakening and gates of healing, integration, whatever, it actually feels 
so much more uh, sustainable and yeah. so easy. I mean, yeah, like you're, I guess to summarize it, it's that I feel safer. Yeah. And being who you are. And then mm. suddenly you're actually feel better as a person or whatever, because you're true. The truth of what you're holding doesn't feel bad and shameful. And like, I didn't do it right. And I'm wrong and I should have done it better. And right. As you clear the shame and clear the guilt and clear the pain, what emerges is presence and love and joy and connection. And, and that feels good, right. To actually feel help like that you're good and that there's love here and yeah it's so liberating to work through it i mean mm, i'm immensely that, grateful yeah yeah i it's funny because for me that instead of it spiraling from a crisis place and motivating me from a crisis place i find this natural sense of wanting to share just the the nature by the sheer nature of presence itself of like, wow, hello, like the sun or something, you know, always been that way. Yeah. Inherently. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I, it feels maybe just like you, I would say the same thing to you. I mean, I felt that from you the whole time I've known you. I mean, right. But you're feeling better in it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I'm experiencing as well. That's what I mean. And, and yeah. Exactly. So it's, yeah. I've been calling that the the sun of self, right? The sun of self. Like when I feel not from like self-centered or righteousness or arrogant, but just when I feel boundaried, bright, love, connected, that I'm okay in here, that I'm doing the best I can, I'm learning and growing. I'm figuring it out. I'm telling the truth. I'm making amends. I, you know, I'm do, having that responsibility as I build and establish and maintain that self. It's like the sun. I feel this radiance that builds. Well, in some ways, you're removing the obstruction to that light that's always there, like we speak of in our practice. Exactly. You know, cleaning the lens, you're polishing the mirror yeah. constantly. The light is brighter and brighter because you're continually polishing. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's a really beautiful experience to be able to be a part of, you know, and then to connect with others and help in the ways, even if it's just by offering witness of shining light of like, I see you there and it's yeah it feels hard i know and i'm i'm here with you i'm here with you you too you know and that's often what i do when i get the weird sneering glancing kind of looks in my neighborhood if i am riding my bike without my mask on and i'm a terrorist apparently but um i'm outside and enjoying breathing (laughs) on my bicycle without my mask since it feels like what's right for me but I'll just smile or I'll still say hi if I'm going by someone who's across the street from me and I really don't think I'm a threat because I'm on the other side and I'm at least 50 yards from them. But <laughs> maybe somehow 
all knowledge I have previously had about virology um, or immunology is out the window, and my little particulate could somehow travel 50 yards across the street and I could threaten their lives. But I'm joyful and playful. And another note, I just ordered $250 worth of wigs six boy wigs and six girl wigs. And I'm going to get dressed up to go to the hardware store. And wigs. I've decided that I'm tired of being boring, that COVID has kind of made me boring. I mean, you know, by all standards of somebody else's world, I doubt they would have. (laughs) COVID made me a transvestite. (laughs) (laughs) Careful with that one. um, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. (laughs) I'm glad you went there. What's the difference between a boy and a girl wig? You know, like... The length of the hair? Like a men's cut, like a wig that is a men's cut and a wig that's a woman's cut. So, but technically, you're right. There is no difference. (laughs) No such thing as boy hair or girl hair. All hair is gender (laughs) neutral. Okay. And anyone that says otherwise needs to go to my blog and go to my website. And I... Well, advocate. I'm a trans activist. Thank you. That's but, a new word for me. What's that? Trans activist. Yeah, that's a, it's a thing. It's a thing. So, uh, <laughs> but um, anyway, thank you for that. I love it. That's a whole different conversation altogether. We need to have a comedy hour and um, see how many how many feathers we could ruffle. Uh, but <laughs> I ordered the wigs because. I am going to get in character. I'm going to get dressed up and I'm going to go to the hardware store or to the bank or to the grocery store or any of the public thing, the places I'm allowed to go to here in, in Los Angeles County. The trickster's coming out. Yay. Welcome, Hayoka. It's nice to see you again. Exactly. I was like, wait a minute. You can't, you can't take away this part of myself. Like COVID, I've gotten a little bit like, Okay, we're watching shows on Netflix and now we're eating groceries and doing the same thing and working online and oh, haven't left the house in a couple of days. It's like, no, 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 no. So I ordered some sunglasses and some wigs and I'm going to put on some fun outfits and I'm going to go get the things I need and spice up, spice the scene up a little bit. That's inspiring me. I'm getting I'm getting a download of all kinds of playful ideas. Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> I love you so much. What a what a delight. What a what a I love you too. I love you too. Thank you for being in my life and for your wisdom and your witness and how much I get to learn with you and grow with you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Yeah. I feel the same way, Marissa. I feel so so honored by the path we get to walk and weave together and constantly learning, learning with you and through you and of you. And it's, it's um, such a delight. So to, to be continued, the journey will continue to unfold. I look forward to the things that we have on the calendar in 2021. Not sure what those are or when they are, but I'm sure they're there. They're phantom right now. They're written in invisible ink, but they will be revealed. Okay, perfect. I love, I love phantom ink. I think I've, and um, I also have some, some 
some phantom offerings uh, for 2021. Um, gonna offer uh, a year long healers training and um, a year long awakening series again. That should probably be launching in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I haven't kind of put those out to the public yet. But the, that signups and things like that will probably be available maybe the middle of February. Cool. Great. Yeah. yeah. Rainbow Eric. Yep. RainbowEric.com. Right. That's right. I'll put links in the show notes too, but okay. they can find you there. RainbowEric.com. Yeah. And my, my site will um, be, I'm launching a, a new, new website. I've, I've, you know, I'm actually doing it finally. I've been saying that for like a year, but. Uh, <laughs> it got incrementally better. It it did. Yeah, it did. Now it's now I'm actually gonna, you know, have an online scheduler and and all the things I'm gonna be be a a big boy in the the world. Fantastic. Streamline. Use technology to your advantage. After it's been twisting my arm for several years, I'm finally gonna join the 21st century functioning website. Well, there's, I mean, you and I talk about it all the time. There's so many things that you could do and so many offerings you could share through technology. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, it's a, it's a hurdle. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Rather have us be outside under the stars or in the, by the, yes. the mountains or somewhere where we get to be in the wild together. That's my favorite place in space, as you well know. But um it's good. I'm happy that that the internet is making it possible to be, to share and transmit throughout you know throughout the world. So it's pretty pretty amazing. Honestly, it's unbelievable that we get to have this conversation. You are in Idaho. I'm in I'm in uh, California, and we get to share in the magic. So you know, and then there's all the extraction and the what it's actually doing to the planet. But hey. <laughs> Here we are on Zoom. <laughs> mm, yes. Yes. Before we open up another doorway. Exactly. Exactly. I'll just say uh, again that I love you. I love you too. Thank you for having me here. And um, yeah, keep the dream alive. Hooray for a spacious abundance. I look yes. forward to see how that unfolds for you this year. And Thank you. Hope to more soon. Here in some abundant space with you at some point. I think you will. I think you will. Send my love to your family. Ditto. Ditto. Bye, darling. <laughs>